or we're live now. All right, everybody. Hey, welcome. It's Todd Cohen, and welcome to my sales culture podcast. Oh, nice, 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 guys. Yeah, good reading. Good reading. I I like it. I, hey, have you learned anything from it? That's the real question. <laughs> <laughs> Great books. I, I guess what? Thank you. I remember. I remember you bought them at. Uh, the, the CFA um, annual convention when I first keynoted there a couple of years ago. Yes, we've been putting our staff through reading them too. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Sign copies. Good. Well, you know, you know, by signing them, I make them worth a lot less. So um, <laughs> you, know, you, you probably should have had me leave them unsigned, but thank you. I appreciate that. That's really yeah. flattering to see. And of course I'm supporting, I'm supporting my second country, uh, my second home team as well. Um, because uh, I finally got happily my my care package, uh, and uh, I'm using everything on a daily basis. Listen, um, everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome! I got two rock star Canadian franchisors online with me today. As we do, yeah, I know. Look around. I know I can't find them. You know, I can't find them either. But I guess they substituted you guys for it. I don't. You know, what can I say? I mean, you, I, you know, I was looking around for somebody. But uh, it is really, really good. Great to see you guys again. The last time we saw each other was again uh, two year April two years ago. So really two and a half years ago, we met for the first time, and I have been watching and admiring and in awe of everything you've been doing over the last well two and a half years. I have seen via LinkedIn, via all the social media, via having met your daughter when she. Um, uh, did some filming for me for a, for uh, the lunch lady. She was the videographer, and I think I made a video for you going hire me. And uh, and uh, but I've but I've watched the Baisley brothers grow this, and I know it's more than the two of you, way more. Uh, I've watched the two of you grow this thing like crazy. So here's my question. Let me kick it off here. How, tell me, uh, you know. I know you could talk for days on this, right? Tell me, you know, and I don't even want to say briefly because I got so much I want to talk to you about, but tell me how it got started. Like you guys woke up and said, love this color orange. Let's just go paint colors orange, cars orange and start a franchise. I know that's not how it happened. So, so let's. The, the, the story uh, not to start a business. Yeah, right. Uh yeah, we uh, really we, we determined that we wanted to uh, we wanted to build a business together, and uh, we were both doing other things, kind of throughout uh, like 2008, 2009, uh, and decided in 2011 that we wanted to get serious about it, and and uh, started developing a list of ideas, right? And and ultimately, and I think I think where our success comes from is, and, and this will this will play out in in anything that we talk about in our business is our consistent and focused approach on what we want and what we value. And we decided early on what we wanted in a business, uh, what the core cr uh, criteria were for, for the business to, to have, and uh, if the franchising model was one piece of that. So yeah, we, we developed the criteria. We um, came up with like, I don't know, 31 or 32 different business concepts. Uh, transportation wasn't on the uh, list. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and and so we were vetting down the, the list of thirty two concepts, and we, uh, to be honest, one night uh, my my wife and I were out for dinner. We used a we used a service to get us home called a designated driving service. 
Yep. And uh, we got home and I thought, man, that was a not a great experience just because of that operator, but but what a what a cool business model. And uh, and I remember texting Brian about 1.30 in the morning saying, I've got, I've got an idea we need to talk first thing in the morning. And of course he was still up uh, reading and, and doing stuff and said, uh, you know, what, what are you thinking? And we started vetting through that idea and, and lo and behold, uh, it checked all the boxes basically in terms of the criteria that we set. So um, yeah, so we, we, you know, we, we landed on it uh, through, through that. And, but what was interesting was the, the core criteria that we set up around what we wanted in a business all basically still exists today. Yeah. yeah. So, so you really, you know, you started this using a very, uh, I, I guess a very process based model, right? I mean, you created your list, you checked things off, you said, this is in, this is out, this, and then I guess when all was said and done, this sort of winnowed down to what we have now, which is this rock star organization called driver's seat. Mm -hmm. It's, it's so interesting because the, um, in, in all my years of coaching on business and talking to people in business, this was kind of almost the opposite of how you would do it because Luke and I created a set of core values and the governance and kind of more about how we wanted to operate than what we wanted to do. And, uh, and so some of those criteria were no matter what business we decide to go into together, uh, has to be good for the community, has to benefit the community, has to be scalable. Uh, we definitely want to be in franchising because we love working with bright entrepreneurial people. And we want to be scalable for them so that they can build a, a nice business for the family. So, so we had this criteria that was actually not tied to transportation. It was, or, or, and we never worked in transportation before. It was actually tied to what we wanted to spend our day doing in order to make ourselves, our family, and our and our, our franchisees happy. So, how often have you guys heard the term? Oh, you must be Canada's new Uber, or you must be Canada's new Lyft. Or, yeah. do, do you hear that a lot? Yeah, yeah. And, Typically, because we're in the franchising world, um, you get a lot of people trying to get some understanding for it. And so, you know, it, it, it's a very simple explanation. The the the, uh, the shuttle industry is actually about three or three and a half times the size of the taxi industry, the on-call taxi industry. And so we exist in the space. Uh, if you look at the transportation spectrum, taxi and Uber and Lyft on one side, because Uber and Lyft are just more modern versions of a taxi. Right. And it's kind of... Greyhound bus or um, school buses on the other side of the spectrum. We don't play on either of those two fields, but we fill all that gap or all that space in between. Yeah. And it's so, so interesting, uh, Todd, it, we saw a real shift uh, because we opened in 2012. And at that point, um, actually when we when we decided on the driver's seat model, we didn't, nobody knew about Uber. They, they hadn't really emerged yet. And we went for all of the qualifying questions that a client or a potential franchisee would ask in those earlier days, 2012, 2013, were how are you different than a taxi? And I remember calling Brian one day and I said, you know, this is so interesting because this literally overnight went from people asking, how are you different than a taxi to how are you different than Uber? And, oh, and in a way, uh, in a lot of ways, the, the emergence of rideshare and TNCs uh, has helped us because it opens people's eyes to a new way of thinking about transportation. and. Uh, but we're we're certainly you know nothing nothing like them or don't have a sim we don't have a similar business model that they do. So you guys are I mean from what I can see again I'm I, I've been observing from a distance because as an American it's a little hard for me to get into Canada right now you know I'm dying to come up and walk around your office and meet and talk to people because what I see from all of your LinkedIn posts and all of your social media is everybody's having a good time like everybody really likes what they're doing I mean. It just comes out from 
everything I see. And again, I've never even been to your offices. So am I wrong? Are people really that happy or do they wake up and go, woohoo, I get to put my orange on and go to driver's seat, you know, other than the family. And by the way, it seems like there's an awful lot of Baisley's out there. Every time I turn around, I'm seeing another Baisley on social media. I think there must be like 300 of you right now, but that's a different conversation. So is it really good? Is it, are people really that happy? Yeah, we, you know, we, we, uh, we, we really truly do look at this as, as people first. And, and so part of our, our government um, is a mandate of these five, five P's and, and profit actually comes later in the process because you need profit, of course, to become sustainable and, and, and build, you know, financial strength. Um, but, but this really is a people business. And so, um, you know, Luke's got a crazy sense of humor. We, we, we bring people in who love to have fun and, um, they understand that there's accountability and there's work to do, uh, but it, when play becomes part of your governance, then it, it's not optional. Um, and so yeah. we started a number of years ago, and this is just one of many examples, but um, kind of realized a number of years ago that we were all working hard at, at the head office <clears throat> and uh, looking at working through lunch and you know, we weren't really spending enough time actually just chatting with people. So we started, uh, we created a mandatory fun lunch uh, now. now and mandatory fun lunches every Friday at lunch. You have to come into the be- the boardroom, the meeting room together. You can't bring your laptop. We have to talk about personal stuff, et cetera. And then, of course, that morphed into different departments, uh, you know, uh, that would sponsor it and, and cook for everybody else, et cetera. Um, but it's, it's nice. part of it. We want to get together. We want to do things. So we, we typically have between 10 and 12 social events for the team uh, every year. Um, so it's almost every you know, three, four weeks. And we love it. It's not that part's not work to us. We just love having them there. We love having them to our homes. Love having them, you know, engage in what we're doing. And we just do some fun stuff together. It's uh, you know, life's short, right? Well, life is short, right? And you know, from my perspective, what I you know what I keynote on is all about culture, right? Sales culture, and to me, the core, the common denominator is and always will be people. You know, you can always find somebody who's better, cheaper, faster, quicker, right? And if that's the way you want to sell. I think that's the wrong thing to do because that makes you commoditized and in the mind of the customer. It's the people that are the differentiator, first, last, and always. And it seems like, you know, you have a hiring process that works. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think we um, uh, we 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 do very little recruiting. Uh, if, 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 if we're being honest, uh, so we 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 have a, a four pillar marketing strategy. And it talks about marketing the, the driver's seat brand, which is, you know, what is it as a company, as a corporate entity, the uh, personal brand. So each franchisee, uh, Brian and I through LinkedIn, all of our, all of our corporate head office staff, uh, everybody has to have a, an active LinkedIn profile to, to really uh, highlight who they are as people, right. As a, in, in a personal brand capacity. And then we have our services brand, which is the, the meat and potatoes around what we do, right? Hey, we, we offer shuttle services or we offer airport services. We, we promote that. Uh, but mo- one of the most important things we do is we promote the employment brand. And that's really what you're talking about is it looks like everybody's having fun. And what I would say is uh, it looks that way because that's what's happening. And, yeah. and I, I would love to, I would love for Brian and I to be able to take all the credit for that. We, we probably enable it. We probably create an environment where it's okay to have fun, where it's okay to laugh and joke and, uh, enjoy what you do, uh, but we also have an extraordinarily fast-paced environment. We have a high results-oriented uh, environment. We 
we really uh, we measure everything. Uh, what gets measured gets done, and uh, so so the the I think it's the vision that people are producing that they're contributing and that they're they're achieving whatever goals they're setting for themselves or whatever goals we're setting for them as an organization. They're achieving those things, which it which just makes you feel great about coming to work. And if you feel great and we can have a laugh and we can enjoy a bite together. Uh, you know, you had mentioned about you see a lot of Baisley's. Brian and I are two of twelve children. Uh, you know, I'm I am by far like by a country mile the youngest. Um, but you know, I told you it was funny. <laughs> see, I was gonna, actually, I was going to ask at the beginning of this who's the more handsome, but I'm not even going to go there right now. You know, <laughs> who's the most handsome? Who's the youngest? Right? Uh, who's more fun to be around? Any of those? You, they all basically boil down to me. <laughs> but um, if you, when you think about a large family, we were, you know, large, tight knit, uh, you know, Catholic family, and dinner time, meal times were were really, really critical, and and it was really critical that we had fun, and I think that's really just kind of boiled into our business as well. Um, so as a result of all of that, uh, a lot of the times, if we, if we do need a specific position filled, we will will take a more of a sniper approach and we'll find somebody. Um, but ultimately, we often have people that just kind of show up on our doorstep and say, I, I, I really feel like I need to work here. And I've just seen what, what's going on. I want to be a part of it. We have the last, the last six head office full-time hires, the last six professionals that we hired just came to us through LinkedIn. They, they came to us because they were just attracted to the brand. And at some point in time, because we never really, as Luke mentioned, we never really hire. We just talk to people. And, yeah. and so we just have conversations. And at some point in time, there, there's a position that we'll either create or that that's available for them to, to move into. Well, as I always say, every conversation is a selling moment and every conversation you're selling your company, right? And you're selling it not only as a service, but you're selling it as a place to work. I mean, look, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm proud to be overhead. We want to go to work in a way, in a place where we feel like what we do matters. It's making yeah. a difference, whatever, whatever that means to you, a social difference, a monetary, you know, whatever that means. Everybody's got their own definition of that. But I... Um, I, I, you know, what I hear from from both from the both of you, and again, it's so clear in what I see uh, on social media, is that you have an open, inclusive society. Uh, society probably isn't the right word, but it's a it's a very open, inclusive culture, and that's something that I'm near and dear to my heart. I don't get the sense that anybody can't you know, walk into anybody. And that's even, you know, kind of very nineties open door policy, but you guys take it to a whole new, a whole new level. It feels like to me, right. You guys as entrepreneurs, you know, you, you sink or swim, it, 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 you know, at the turn of a moment, right. I mean, the pandemic put a lot of people out, but the pandemic for you seems to be enabling your business, right. Giving you more. And that starts with the people. Well, you're, you're so spot on and, and we get a chance to reset every four months. We're, uh, we're big believers in, in how we engage with the community. Um, and so uh, we bring co-ops in, as you, you might have seen online. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's so interesting. That program is almost taking on a life of its own because uh, four years ago or so, when, when the program started, we, we had one co-op come in and it was good. And then we had a couple come in. Um, uh, starting in January, we have 14 co-ops coming in to work full time in our office. And these are all very bright marketing web design digital marketing specialists etc and uh to get to that 14 we had 600 applicants we had i believe six, it and we, we operate in a pretty high tech area there, there's this is kind of silicon valley of the north um so pretty competitive um so lots of places they can go work with google they can go work for for blackberry for open text etc and and they're coming here um and it's so interesting because we then get to bring this group in and say to them 
you get to to control your destiny. You get to control what you do, even in your short four to eight months here. Um, and it's it, this is what happens. They they um, all of a sudden will say, hey, we're going to do and just one example. We're going to do pajama day. So Brian, Luke, I need you guys just to come in your pajamas on Friday, and we say okay. Um, and it only takes them a couple of weeks to realize that they have that level of control to to create office environment parties and and different events and social events. Uh, and of course, that allows them to grow, but we we grow with it. So I, I have to ask you a question. I mean, what if somebody sleeps in the nude? Then what? Do, then what do they wear to the office? I know, I know, it was awkward. I, I skipped out at work that day. You know, what? <laughs> Todd, Todd, I'll, I'll tell you what. The, the, the first, the first time they pulled it because I think it was the first time that the students realized that they actually, if they said that Brian and I had to do something, that we actually would do it. Yep. And so when they first said, I, I, the, the announcement went out at a group meeting I wasn't here for, and then I was in the office later that day, and one of the students said, like kind of yelled across the kitchen uh, table to us, uh, to me saying, uh, Monday you're wearing pajamas. Uh, um, and I, I said, oh, okay. And, but then I started thinking like, is this one of those things where I'm the only one that's gonna show up in pajamas? <laughs> and because that's for sure, that for sure could happen around here. Um, so I, I took my chances and I showed up and sure enough, every person in this office was, uh, was in pajamas and so many of us were in onesies that we created a onesie group and, and we had a bunch of photos done of it. So yeah, the, the, uh, the students pull a lot of weight. And I think if you look at the work we did over the summertime to do a new, to, a, to do a brand launch, for example, uh, right in the height of the lockdown, uh, we did a brand, a rebrand or a brand evolution as we call it. Yep. Uh, where the hat that you have there uh, came from, and and uh, and lots of you know new color schemes, new new uh, revised logo, all of that work, a hundred percent of that design work was done by students, and um, and we're so proud of that, and they're so proud to know that when they go back to school, when they look on social media, they see their work spread across Canada and the United States, all over vans and uh, images and people uh, wearing wearing the gear. So it's uh, it, it's a lot of fun, and and uh, they take a lot of pride in that. So um, and going back to another point you made around, you know, everybody uh, needs to feel like they're contributing. We have a we have an 11, 11 o'clock uh, huddle every day with the entire team. Now it's three times a week, but um, we had we had people at that meeting that would would you know maybe more in an administrative role would be saying, you know, uh, today I'm I'm only working on you know X Y and Z, and we would always stop them in their tracks and say, you're not only working on that. Uh, if you are working on that, understand that that's a critical element to the business. If it isn't critical, we're not doing it. We're way too efficient for that. Uh, and and we, we, we sort of talk about the, the essence of, of the value of holding a chair. You hold a seat in this office, which means that you're valuable it, because that seat would be replaced uh, with somebody else if you weren't valuable. So if you're here, just understand that and understand that it's never only something. It's, it's always something that's critical. Well, as I always say, you know, any the first time somebody says I'm just the what they're saying is I don't feel like I know how I belong. So you never want people to have that. I'm just the mentality or, hey, that's not my job mentality. I mean, you I mean, what what you're building there espouses so much of my my core belief in, in my work and my speaking and writing work about, you know, from a cultural sales cultural. And so let me ask you this. Um, so. It's no secret. We've been through a rough couple of months here. It uh, feels like 20 years. Um, somebody said to me the other day, uh, you know, remember back in March and I had to literally step back and say, wait a minute. What I, I literally couldn't remember back that far. And it's not because of age. It's like so much has happened and nothing has happened at the same time. Right. Tell me. Um, 
until you're, by the way, growing, burgeoning group of listeners right here, what, uh, you know, how have you, man, how have you turned this horrendous thing that we're living through, this pandemic, how have you turned it around? I don't want to say to your advantage because that sounds very crass. How have you leveraged this world that we're in to better the company, to better the people, to better, I already know how you did it to better your community because you're providing a valuable service. People need transportation. That's a given. So how have you used this time to better the company? Yeah, you know, we, we talk a lot about the, the head office staff, but really everybody here exists only for one reason, that's our franchisees. And so um, when uh, on March the 14th, when we realized this stuff is big and this is going to result in some pretty dramatic shift, more dramatic than any of us, of course, have ever faced, we got together with the leadership team um, and we created a four-tier strategy. And to this day, we're still using that strategy. And I think the, uh, the part, part of the most critical part, so, so the strategy was, was tied to um, ensuring that you maintain physical and mental health because, of course, as you know, Todd, it takes a lot to, to, to run a business, to be self-employed, and you have to be you know, physically able and, and mentally oh, yeah. in, in order to, to, to perform well through that. And so, so this was really about us teaching them on different things that you could do and working from home and being isolated, et cetera, in order to maintain physical and mental health. The, the second piece was to um, do whatever they could to help flatten the curve. You know, we, we, we touch over 400 communities now. And so we, yeah. we said, no matter what we do, every business, not just ours, but every business has to play a role in doing that. The third piece was um, we now need to spend the next number of months, however long it was going to be. No one really thought nine months at that point or, or even a year, but uh, never, whatever those number of months are, you have to spend that time building for post-COVID-19. And that was the most critical business portion of this, which was you have to build a strong LinkedIn profile. You have to build your Instagram profile. You have to build uh, part of our, our core values to build meaningful relationships. And so you have to continue to do that. And then the final piece was, and oh yeah, you have to build some revenue for today. Right? Yep. And we really made that the fourth piece of this, and we focused on that piece of it all the way through. So we were meeting um, hourly at the very beginning in order to help navigate through this. Then we moved to uh, meeting occasionally, uh, you know, one a couple times a day, and then daily, et cetera. But all the way through, we stayed very consistent with trying to ensure that we were helping build for post-COVID-19. And the reality is um, that strategy and our, our consistent approach to it as we tweaked and, and modified a little bit, allowed us to come out of this first phase of COVID really, really strong. Um, and yeah. in fact, uh, you know, one of our franchisees uh, landed a $2.7 million contract uh, during COVID. Um, and that's just one of, of literally dozens of, and then hundreds of examples of, of uh, middle to smaller size uh, contracts or, or, or types of jobs that we were doing. and. And so, so this was really less about, yeah, I know our tourism business. I know we do a lot of wine tours, a lot of airport tours, a lot of weddings. Yeah, that stuff's going to dry up for sure. Don't worry about it. Focus on what you can do now to create a 400 or 500% return on investment post-COVID-19 by building meaningful relationships. And so going back to your, your approach on this, you always talk about the fact that everyone's in sales, right? And, and this is about a sales culture. And, and of course, in our business, um, sometimes it's, it's the actual sale of the transaction, but most often it's just about building meaningful relationships because yes. people like to do business with who they know and trust. 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, everything, look, every, if we're breathing, we're selling. And, and really, you know, as you say, the common, the common denominator of that is always going to be the relationships in people. I, you know, the minute we look at our businesses and say, and, you know, and, and let other people view it as a transactional business, then we're forever a transactional commoditized business. And, and I don't get the sense that driver's seat looks at it like that at all. In fact, just the opposite. It's very clear that everything you do is relationship community based, which really is, you know, if I were to ask you, which I'm going to ask you right now, tips for entrepreneurs, right? I mean, there's a lot of people out there uh, you know, a lot of my franchise clients, my franchisor clients who bring me in, they tell me that they're having record numbers of applications for franchises right now, record interest in franchises right now, record numbers of people are looking into it. So I guess the first question is, are you are you experiencing that same sense of interest? And um, the second thing is, what advice are you giving people when they're saying, God, is a franchise right for me? Yeah, I think the, um, so first of all, yeah, we're, we're seeing not just uh, a, a significant increase in the number of applicants, but the quality of applicants is really, really high as well. So um, this type of thing will happen. I mean, post 9-11, post SARS, uh, you see people starting to kind of reset a little bit, just trying to understand what they want out of life. And for many people, uh, being on the is a dream of theirs, but it takes something tragic in their life or a bit of a scare perhaps you know job wise health wise etc in order to push them in, in, in that direction um, but yeah so we're, we're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of interest in this i think for for anybody um if you look you really have four options you can work for somebody else you can buy an existing business with an existing revenue line right you can start your own business or you can, can become a franchisee where you start with a zero dollar revenue line but you've got the support network and, and, and um, really, ultimately, I, I think where you land in that business uh, choice is highly dependent upon what you really want out of this, this type of position, because buying an existing uh, business quite often, you're, you're in maintenance mode and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You can build some revenue, you can, you can lead people, you can do these things, you can invest a bit of more money up front, but you're, you're buying a, a, a revenue line, basically. And then when you look at uh, starting your own business versus franchising, I think those numbers speak for themselves. I think... Um, you know, I, I'm really, really, really proud of anybody that does start their own business and, and, and makes a really great go of it. It's just so incredible. But I think for so many people, you can really fast track past having to build the website and build the mobile app. Um, you can buy expertise. You can you can buy the relationship with all of the other franchisees, uh, which is just so invaluable. And so I think that, that, that is, it's, it's something that's not truly understood to the degree it needs to be because it's so powerful. You can have all of the benefit of being self-employed without all of the technical challenges around it and without um, having to kind of work on your own because you get to work with a great head office support team and you get to work with other franchisees who are doing the exact same type of work. Yeah. I, I, would, I would expand on that too by saying that, you know, I think anybody who's looking at a franchise opportunity, um, th this is kind of, this is a really unique time where uh, you get to really understand uh, what a franchisor is all about. And I think if, the, if somebody's vetting out a franchise opportunity, they ought to be checking into what steps were taken throughout COVID-19, throughout this pandemic to protect the brand, protect the franchisees, continue to promote and, and look at building. Uh, quite frankly, you know, there, there's a whole range of, of different uh, outcomes from, from this. Some, you had really strong franchisors that had a product that couldn't survive. Uh, or a service that couldn't survive and they've really suffered from it. 
you have yeah. franchise, you have franchisors who had a, uh, a you know a reasonable product or service, but did a really really amazing job at uh, navigating the pandemic just just through leadership, um, and they've emerged in in, in okay shape. Uh, in our case, uh, we uh, you know we always look at this as being super fortunate, right? We 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 practice a lot of gratitude in our business, and and we're we're extremely grateful for the fact that. A, we had a service that was deemed to be an essential service, which means we were able to continue operating. Uh, but also that um, we had between you know us, but more importantly, our leadership team really came to the table with uh, a, a significant commitment to pushing everybody through this. And all uh, uh, all the stuff Brian talked about was so critical. And I, and the one piece I would add to it is this overarching theme of optimism. Yeah. And if it because. The reality is that you can have all the strategy you want, you can have all the tactics you want, you can have a great sale, a great product, a great service, you can have something that's in high demand, but if you don't, if you aren't optimistic about where it can go or what the future looks like, uh, you end up spending a lot of time spinning wheels in the woe is me type of environment, and we just wouldn't, we just would not allow that. It was, it was all in, all optimism. We we need to look at what opportunities we have. We need to identify opportunities. And the reality is that that optimism, I can tell you very pragmatically, that that optimism resulted in in opportunities opening up for us. Sure. Um, and so, super critical that somebody looking at a franchise op hey, franchising uh, franchising has been a great business model for for decades, and it, and it's one of the best ways for somebody to get into business for themselves. In the in the time of a pandemic, it can it can accelerate that advantage that much more because you have this this support network and leadership and coaching and you know even uh, you know emotional support uh, yeah. through, through that. And so right now, it, there is no better time to get into a franchise, but make sure you select wisely in terms of uh, choosing what type of direction to go in. Is is kind of the advice we would give. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I uh, A lot of the franchisees that I see are people who have made purchases, you know, bought the franchise, and then they realize that, you know, they can run the spreadsheet, you know, they can, they can do the numbers, they can do the tactics, but when it comes to the people end of the business, oh my gosh, you mean I have to go out and sell? You mean just because I hung a shingle doesn't mean my, I'm going to get overrun? And I see this all the time, right? And um, with all the different franchises I work with. And, and you know, it's, it's, I feel like saying to people, you know, it's so frustrating, right? Because you want to be optimistic and they go into it so optimistically, then they sort of get this wake up call, like, holy moly, you mean it all just isn't going to happen? And then it's like, yeah. So I think, you know, this is where, this is where some people I think get tripped up. What, what's the, you know, I, I suspect you guys have either a zero or a very low franchisee failure rate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, ours ours is extraordinarily low, and, and in fact, um, uh, you know, we, we even sold some additional uh, sites and, and opened during the pandemic, and we continue to do so now. Um, yeah, I think there's a couple of thoughts around this. The first is just the, this overarching thought of what it become what it's like to become a franchisee, because there are franchise systems out there where the franchisee is only in charge of operations, right? And 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 again, nothing wrong with that if that's what they want to do, but they invested money into it. They're there to make sure they've hired people. And a, and a donut shop might be a good example of that. They're not marketing the coffee. They're not pricing the donuts, not creating the recipes. And so I think in, in going back to the advice piece, 
we have conversations with prospective franchisees who say, if you want that type of work, go to the donut shop, or whatever, because it, it can be really good. You might you might really enjoy it. It's just not what we do, um, because our type of franchise, you're you're in business development all the time. All the time. And so, I, yeah, and I think it's 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 up to the franchisor to do that. And, and I'll tell you what, we turn away way 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 more applicants than we accept. Yeah, I bet. Listen, we're we're not here we're not here to do this so that you can go out there and fail. So if you don't <laughs> like business development, and we're okay teaching you that, right? We're, we're okay if you haven't done it before. That's not a big deal. But you have to like people. You have to like talking to people, right? And you have to help like solving their problems. And if you really like all of that and you love helping your community, then this type of business is good. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah. the there is a um, there, there's a little bit of this undercurrent in franchising. Um, for some, not for all, where a prospective franchisee who might not have spent a lot of time understanding the business model yet thinks it's kind of like a gumball machine. I put a quarter in, I turn it, the gumball comes out, um, and, and if I put two, quarter, two quarters in, two gumballs come out. And the reality is, of course, that's not how it works. And so so I think for, for, for anybody that's looking at a franchise, um, if you love the idea of somebody else doing business development, somebody else marketing, somebody else doing those things, there are franchises out there that are very successful that might be for you and it could be a place or a workplace or something and if you like business development there are ones like driver's seat but there's there's other ones out there like that as well where you actually get to go out and every single day you get to control your destiny and control that revenue line not because to, to luke and and to me and honestly to our whole team here that's the fun part of this right the fun part isn't isn't you know writing out schedules and doing all the logistics stuff we have software to do that right the fun part here is what do we do to engage with people and help solve their problems? What do we do to build meaningful relationships that will last, you know, for for well well into to the next number of decades, right? Okay, so two more questions, and uh, the, the the next question that I have for you, next to last question I have for you is, you know, as we are, you know, moving, hopefully, I believe. I believe, right, optimistically, through the pandemic. And I do think there's light, there's more light at the end of the tunnel right now than there was, you know, say a month ago or two months ago. There's vaccines on the horizon, all kinds of good stuff, I think, happening. What is your plan? What's, what is 2020, 2021? Say that 20 times fast. What does 2021 look like for you? Well, we, we've developed uh, a very, very clear path forward. Uh, for not only our, our head office team, but our franchisees as well. Um, and and so it, it, it basically is founded upon all the stuff that we've talked about, which is we need uh, fr lots of franchise sales. We, we are going to be um, working very diligently to continue growing the brand. Um, and, and how we're going to do that is uh, by ensuring that each of the existing franchise units that we have currently in the system uh, they will all be on a on, on what we call the hockey stick uh, growth curve, and we are uh, pushing really, really diligently at making sure that they achieve significant levels of revenue. It's appropriate for uh, Canada. What's that? <laughs> yeah, appropriate for Canada. Better on the hockey stick. <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, and so the um, you know the, the in order to to build the revenue to where we the, the targets that we've set, um, we're building programs internally around uh, identifying those locations that perhaps it's relative to how long they've been around, what their general, what their revenue is like right now, what their opportunities are, what type of community that they're in. 
and we're we're building a, a a small community of franchise partners that we're we're going to build programs around to escalate them into into really really high levels of revenue. And when we talk about that, uh, you know, it's tough to give specific numbers out, but um, we're basically we're basically on a war path to uh, make sure that our franchise as a whole, our franchise system, is one of the most valuable and sought after franchise systems globally. Um, no doubt. If that's not optimism, uh, I don't know what is, but we actually have a fairly clear path forward in terms of how we're going to get it there. And so we're, we're absolutely fixated on it. Everybody in our, in our uh, office, our extended uh, office, our families, our vendors, everybody knows that there's nothing more important than helping our franchisees make more money. And so we're, we're, we, that means opening up new revenue streams, finding new opportunities, building uh, in-house capabilities and competencies, uh, our, our driver's seat university training program is evolving every week uh, and is absolutely spectacular. Um, and when you, you talked about this shock value that franchisees often have when they come into a system where it's like, I, I turn the lights off and unlock the door and I, I expect sales to be there. The reality is there's no way to, to, um, uh, there's no way to, to prepare somebody for that and it, it'll happen 99 times out of 100. And so we've developed almost a, uh, it's a staged training approach where you know you're learning the basics of sales for the first 12 months, and and you're expected to hit some certain certain revenue numbers, uh, but beyond your first year, that's when we get into the more complex uh, you know opportunities and that kind of thing. So we've we've staged out the training program. Um, that, that's one example of many of the, the the things that we're doing tonight. And I guess we we should throw out a huge uh, huge shout out to our our director of franchise support, Leanne, because. Uh, she's the she's the brains and the hands behind a lot of this work that's going on and uh, just doing a spectacular job of it. So initial results are uh, we're exceeding expectations. We're exceeding our targets. Uh, so, yeah, so that's what 2021 looks like. Uh, help our franchisees make more money. Well, I, I see, I, you know, not for nothing, but I do see a day when you need a sales culture university. But we'll talk about that another time. On that note, what are your favorite books? Just curious if any book comes to mind right now. Any look at that. Look at that. <laughs> All right, that was a loaded question, everybody. So our top three books are these two. Yeah, we're not doing enough. <laughs> um, you know what? We uh, I'm on my second time through reading Traction, uh, which is just a wonderful, wonderful book. Um, and so much of what Traction talks about with the disciplines of, of a business, and so in some cases, not the sexier part of it, but just the everyday disciplines that really help. Um, in, in so many ways, it's tied to how we operate. Um, and and uh, the way it's written, the way it's, it's laid out um, is, a, is a constant reminder. So I, I've, I read through it once. The second time is, is really more about kind of uh, implementing to finer detail some of the things that are in that book. Um, From Good to Great, I think, is a, just an incredible book. Um, that speaks so much to leadership and and, and culture and, and how those pieces um, in, in a quantifiable way have, have made significant changes at different companies. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, the, there's, there's no shortage of uh, books, podcasts, et cetera. Uh, those, those two really jump out. Yeah. Let me, let me recommend this one. I haven't read it yet and I'll get to you, Luke, and I want to hear yours as well, but I'm a big fan of anything that has to do with emotional intelligence. Daniel Goleman, he's the only guy. He invented it. He's still the guy, and this is his latest social intelligence, and I'm, uh, I just bought it for a couple of my clients, my coaching clients, 
and uh, I'm looking forward to reading it myself. Luke, your your books. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I try to do a nice mix of uh, of you know business business books, but also uh, leadership, personal development books. So uh, on the personal development side, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, of Brene Brown actually, who's uh, talks about you know shame, emotional intelligence, that kind of thing. She's she's absolutely brilliant, uh, and um, I, I like you know there's there's some new thought leaders out there that that have you know, some, some really cool stuff. Brendan, uh, uh, um, you know, of course, Simon Sinek, uh, we're all a big fan of Simon Sinek around here. Uh, so any, any of his, his books. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's a real mix. I think, you know, we try to mix up, uh, personal development with business development, uh, and, and sales culture. Cool. Well, listen, guys, I, I just got one more thing to say, and that is I want to be invited to a dinner when all the siblings are together. I want to see what 12 siblings, uh, are like around the same dinner table. I have a friend who's one of 16 and uh, up until recently, um, and you know, they're, they're all over the board, but they would still get together on Sundays, every Sunday at their mother, her mother, mother passed away. Uh, every Sunday, they would all, all 16 and their kids. And the, there's like 8 trillion of them now. Uh, they would all get together. And I just always thought, you know, coming from a very, 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 very small family, uh, and now it's me and Karen and, and you know, Luna, of course, uh, we are, uh, you know, we're, we're quite small. So um, I'll be happy to accept an invitation to a dinner at 12 anytime that w I just want to watch. I just so, want to uh, sit back and watch. Todd, uh, and, and I mean this with all with all sincerity. So uh, every day, Canadian Boxing Day, day after Christmas, uh, every uh, December 26, the every member of the family, uh, including the kids, grandkids, great grandkids are invited to my place. Um, and this is the first year and I know it's been 20 some odd years, but this is the first year that that's not going to happen for, for obvious reasons. Um, but next December 26, you are invited. I'll be there. And, uh, you don't have to worry about it, about just observing because, um, actually no one will even know there's just there's <laughs> seven of us. Um, you'll just introduce yourself. They'll assume you're a brother or an in-law or somebody. You'll shoot the shit with everybody. We'll have a ton of fun, uh, but it's it's really a, a sixteen to eighteen hour marathon of food, Eat. drink, playing shuffleboard and pool, and so you're absolutely welcome for that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm there, and well, I just won't tell anybody. I'm the uh, I'm the Jewish brother that nobody ever knew about. And, we're going uh, to introduce you as Uncle Todd. And then there you go. <laughs> Oh yeah, okay. Oh yeah, did you guys see Uncle Todd? Is he here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, good to see you. Uncle Todd. Uncle Todd's been around. He's been here every year. What? What you did? Oh, oh, he had hair last year. That was the problem. All right, guys. You just hey, have to say good to see you again. Yeah. Huh? You just have to say good to see you again. Good. And, and and I have to practice my a. Hey. Yeah. Hey, Brian. Brian Baisley, Luke Baisley, you guys are a treat. It's so good to reconnect with you this way. Uh, sorry, it's been two and a half years since we've seen each other. I was, as you know, I was supposed to have been at uh, CFA keynoting this year, but that plug got pulled, unfortunately. I'm so honored, though, to be sort of uh, part of the family at a distance here um, and uh, love the organization. Love, love, love what you guys are doing. You have an enormous amount to say uh, for entrepreneurs around the world and doing the right things, staying optimistic. Uh, there's some connections I actually want to make for you. Uh, colleagues of mine who are high up at uh, schools of entrepreneurship here in the States would love to have you here in Philadelphia lecturing to some of those classes. Of course, not my decision, but I'm sure my friend uh, 
my friend would uh, would just jump at the idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. And, uh, and and that way you can come to my house. We'll get cheesesteaks because you'll be in Philadelphia. You yeah. can say Luna. You can meet Karen, and uh, there'll be nobody here. So we'll all be focused on you. So uh, <laughs> it'll just be the two of you guys. Hey, it sounds awesome. Happy, 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 healthy, healthy, healthy holidays. Uh, God willing, we'll all see each other healthy uh, soon. And uh, I'll be in Canada eventually. Uh, I have lots of people I want to go see up there. So uh, hopefully hopefully, uh, we'll get you guys on that list as well. Awesome. Todd, thanks, thanks for having us on. Appreciate it. Right. Thanks so much, Todd. Thank you see you guys. Take, Take care. Long, everybody. Get back to your reading. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Start reading those books.